0: Hi, how's it going? Still got energy? 5 p.m.? Who's been here all day? Wow. Who's been here since noon? Since three? Oh man, I'm losing. Awesome, my name is Moldover. I live here in San Francisco. I'm an artist, I perform, I write music, and uh, I do it with electronics often and it's led me into this territory of designing instruments like this and so I'm up here on a panel where we're going to talk about new musical instruments and I've got some amazing people up here with me and so I'd like for us each to do like a little introduction of ourselves and maybe a little bit about one or more of the instruments that we have created or helped create so this is Keith McMillan.
1: Hi everybody. I've been designing instruments since I was a little kid and could knock two things together it's always been fascinating i started professionally making musical instruments in the 70s i started zeta music systems which created electric violins and electronic violins and kicked off a trend went on to gibson armin i started another company in 2000, which I was able to sell. And that allowed me to play music for two years without interruption. And I realized all the instruments I had were too big and heavy. It was a trio. So trying to fly anywhere, all the money went to the airlines. So I started this present company, Keith McMillan Instruments, aptly named in uh, 2007. And I've been building instruments that interface traditional instruments and new instruments to computers. And my big thing is expression, the ability to get more than a switch and a knob into a computer, and also persistence, to be able to create something and have hopes that it will be playable sometime in the future. and that to me is really important i think computers and synthesis and electronic music has made a, a lot of wonderful novelties but no persistent music that's learnable and playable by others and i think that is a worthy goal and a wonderful challenge that's enough or should i play something yeah maybe. okay so to make money i build products and The products I like the most sell the least. This product sells really well, but I still love it. And this is the wireless version of the Cuneo. And it is based on a drum controller, a grid controller, and sort of like DJ decks all into one. And the non-wireless version is the size of an iPad, an iconic shape. And so I can hit each pad, it's sensitive to pressure, location, so it'll operate like a, a grid, an 8 by 8 grid. These are all sliders that'll do VU functions as well. And people use it a lot for EDM music. And the wireless thing, I think, is really important. Dance music is marvelous and pervasive and filling major auditoriums. Yet the performer's captive pretty much behind a table like this. So hopefully this will let them step out and enjoy the concert. Thank you.
0: So I yeah, I mostly do artisty things, I think I mentioned that already. But yeah, I'm fascinated by new instruments and new technology and I have this background as a traditional instrument instrumentalist playing guitar. And I put down the guitar for about three or four years and just played uh, controllers. Not too different from the Cuneo. And this is an exceptional, a new controller. The ones that were available actually more like five or six years ago were not as expressive and could not anywhere near match the expressiveness of a, of a guitar. So most of my interest in instrument design has been bringing traditional instrument aesthetics and ideals into more modern instruments. And this is an instrument I recently completed with a, a Bay Area guitar maker called visionary instruments. It's called the Robocaster and it basically takes all the uh, study and performance I'd done these controllers, uh, things with knobs and faders and buttons, and combines it with a guitar and gives kind of a new way to control traditional and non-traditional guitar effects in one interface, so it's kind of hard to, uh, to play and talk at the same time. So I'll stand up and play for a minute, just give you a little demo, but what you'll see is a guitar with all these controls built in and it's got motion sensors as well and uh, it's running MIDI signals into a computer to manipulate (laughs) effects.
2: Weisel. I uh, do a lot of things. I write software for music composition and recommendation, if anybody caught the panel earlier. And a lot of the stuff that I do on a day-to-day basis is writing um, like music apps for recording artists. And, and the last project that I worked on was this set of apps for Bjork. Mm. I can demo a few of those here. Actually, you guys can go download it. It's fine. It's public. I'll show you some of the other stuff that isn't public. There's sort of two sides to the instruments that I build. Some of them are more toys and kind of uh, ways to look at interfaces for new instruments, and others are instruments that are designed to kind of play the music of today. And so one of the more experimental ones is one I'll show you right here. Cool. So um, for those of you who can see it, this is, uh, damn. This is just a small little sequencer. And you can set a bunch of different notes and drag the string to change it, and that's nothing revolutionary. But it's it's an experimentation with playing style, and that you can, see if I can do this. you can swing it to play each note. for a second. Thank you. The idea is that one note is played per period. And so you can change the tempo by shortening and lengthening the string. And in a version that I don't have working in the demo today, there's uh, the ability to set notes at different angles. And what that allows is this kind of unmetered sort of playing style that's very non-traditional. If you were to take that same phrasing, that Bach cello that I feel a lot of you are, have heard before, and you assign each of the notes to different angles. You get this kind of interesting meter, where it sounds like it sounds like this. It sounds like <laughs> <laughs> sure my pitch is awful right now, but it's, but it's interesting because you get kind of this oomph from the, the like, device speeding up. And so a lot of things that we build are interfaces for experimenting with new forms of performance, I guess. And I'll pass the mic along.
0: Thanks, Max. Alex?
3: Hello. My name is Alexander Randone, and I am a, an electrical engineer, turned computer musician, turned iOS developer now. (laughs) And, uh, oh, thank you. And I've recently released an application called the Arpeggio GNOME Pro, which is right here, which was right right there. And I, I guess I have a real passion for designing new concepts for ways to control synthesizers that already exist. So new ways to control synthesizers built in the 80s to software synthesizers to synthesizers built on the same iPad. So what this concept is, is a new arpeggiator. And if you're not familiar with what an arpeggiator is, well, how many of you know what an arpeggio is? Okay, there's a few that don't. An arpeggio, well, how many of you know that, what a chord is? Musical chord, okay, we can start from there. An arpeggio is like a chord. Like a chord, let's say you have three notes playing at the same time. An arpeggio plays those three notes rhythmically (coughs) instead of at the same time. It's pretty much that simple. If you ever see a pianist go like all the way up a piano and then all the way back, he might be doing an arpeggio. If you ever see someone go like playing the same pattern all the way up a fret of a guitar, he might be playing an arpeggio. So this is a new way to control arpeggios, and I'll give you a quick demo. Okay. You guys hear that? All right, so right now, you can make it louder, go like this, with the x-axis or the y-axis of the accelerometer. All right, I'm going to do a demo right now. And what the app is going to be doing is it's controlling a piano inside GarageBand. So my app is sending core MIDI, which is a protocol for musical instruments that's been around for 30 years, to communicate with another app that is making the sound. So my app is just the control source. All right. playing it, like with all these sound sources, but yeah,
4: that's it. What is the name of the app? Oh,
3: the name of the app is uh, Arpeggio Gnome Pro. And that's
2: out right
3: that's, that's out in the store now since uh, December 28th. And there's an older version, just <coughs> called ArpeggioNome, which is the first iteration and doesn't have MIDI. It's more of an entry-level interactive arpeggiator. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, I'd like to start with some sound music, because going to talks all day. About music. In tech, I like to, to hear some of that. So anyways, we can get back to the talking. And I thought it'd be good to open up a little bit with maybe you guys could just talk about a really great thing we have here is a variety of different instruments. Like mine's based on a traditional guitar. Keith is doing really interesting stuff with tactile sensors. We got software, you know, benefiting from motion control as well. So there's a pretty diverse group of, of instruments you see on stage. So the question I'd love to pose to you guys is why are you working with the technology you're using? And what's sort of the ideal Behind your craft, like what? What are the qualities you like to instill into your instruments? And yeah, and why are you making what you make, yeah, Alex?
3: I guess I'll start. So I, I started building like music software with Max MSP, and that was after I started composing music, and I quickly realized how much I enjoyed. Making software. I mean, it was a very similar enjoyment I would get from making music and it felt like I would lose track of time For hours and come out feeling like a Zen master or something Now I'm building iPad apps and it's a very similar feeling like um, I have this concept that I like to instill in all of my projects, which is uh, like a one-to-one type of design where everything you see is all you can do you know and every every knob every button does one thing it's kind of like a hardware approach to software if it were up to me i mean if uh, this would all be hardware you know what i mean if i could if i could design hardware in storyboards and xcode just as easily as it is to design uh, interfaces that would be awesome the touch screen itself the ipad itself i mean is hardware itself. So you can really take advantage. I feel like I'm exploring different ways to use a touch screen to make music. Uh, And one more thing about the touch screen, in my opinion, is like, since you're forced to look at it, you kind of can only do so much, you know, you can only do maybe two fingers at a time to get really musical or else like your eyes start to explode. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that's why I, I invented this instrument that you just control with your thumbs.
2: I think I think a lot of it was the same as that as a kid I was always fascinated by music and I guess computers or computer science and this is sort of bringing those two passions together in a lot of the same ways and that you can it's very quick to prototype different ideas and really try things and it's music is such a like moving art form at least for me in that like it it has such a large impact and such an emotional impact that is kind of it translates to other people I think with a lot of different people with other mediums of arts it's things don't translate as well. And that's purely you know, subjective. But uh, I think it's a lot of the same thing with the exception that what I've been trying to do with touch is get away from, from hardware. You don't have tactile feedback. And, and as, as you pointed out, you can't rely on your vision to understand where all of your fingers are. And so I've been working on, I guess, coming up with interfaces of, I guess, interfaces that allow you the expressibility of a true instrument without requiring tactile feedback that play on how dynamic a touchscreen is and the fact that the interface can change underneath your fingertips to give you that same
0: kind of connection you would feel with a real instrument. And Keith, you've done a lot with uh, all different kinds of hardware, but yeah. is that accurate? Are you a hardware guy?
1: Well, when I started, you didn't have a whole lot of choice. Z80 came out after I started building instruments. So I got the best of both worlds in a lot of ways. I started off building guitars and violins and researching... Z80 is a computer, right? Just for the benefit, Z80 is... Yeah, it's like a first microcontroller or one of the first microcontrollers. Sorry. I was able to explore materials and as I built electronic violins I spent as much time looking at sensors as I did looking at wood and you know Thought about the Cremonese violin masters 400 years ago, going to the Baltic Sea to pick out a log. And it felt like that moving on to more and more advanced sensors. So I spend a lot of time still studying material sciences and like the sensors that are in these little keyboards. You know, this wouldn't have been possible a few years ago. And now it can be done for pennies. But you have to do a lot of them. So that's the downside of going full custom in terms of hardware. Uh, So my model is that if I'm going to make one for myself, I have to build 9,000 for someone else. And it puts a certain obligation on you to make it work well, of course, because each of those instruments out there has to perform, because you're on stage. But it then gives me the flexibility to think about spending $50,000 to produce a tool to produce a part. And I'm hooked on that. I can't get away from that flexibility in spite of the fact of all of the other obligations that go along with it. And I started programming and discovering the joy of flexibility of, being lord master of this mental universe. And so that's grown out of the side of hardware development. And uh, like I say, I've really had the best of both worlds. And I still find that interface between the physical and the ephemeral capabilities of software to be just the most magical part of instrument making.
0: Well, we've got a good hardware-software dichotomy, and I think that, that kind of ties into uh, to distribution, which, you know, you guys is... I'm not as much involved in the distribution. I'm more in, I think, the marketing aspect of, of the instruments I get involved with. But I'm curious the benefits of, of, of that. Like, Alex, I know we've talked a little bit about how the, the Apple App Store and just having this platform that reaches worldwide and, you know, gives, gives you access to a whole a whole market that, that maybe Keith's instruments have a harder time reaching because they're physical and you, know, you don't need a $50,000 tool to make parts. You can just launch it out there, but at the same time, you're at the whim of Apple's hardware. You know, what, are the, what are the pros and cons you guys see of your respective distribution difficulties or eases?
3: Well, I think what we're starting to see is um, an indie music app revolution Kind of thing, Uh, similar to back in what, 2008 when um, indie games became popular because of Steam and distribution outlets like that. It's really amazing what one man or woman or (laughs) or one small team can really do to shape music now, especially with the App Store, the Apple App Store more than anything, just because the iPad is such an amazing product, in my opinion to develop for but yeah i think the app store is an amazing thing and apps like you know audio bus and and so many others just like few people reaching so many people really easily
2: is kind of cool i think there's also something to be said about um the software that Apple provides for iPhone and iPad to developers, in that there are frameworks, and I'm I'm sure you have experience with, like like Core MIDI and Core Audio and things that are this wonderful foundation to build upon. And while some people think that Apple's ecosystem can be restrictive, especially with the App Store review, some of the tools they give you are just not available anywhere else. And the foundations of all of the audio processing on, on the iPhone and iPad come from the Mac, which are... Like anyone who's written audio plugins or anything like that knows that it's it's extremely well done and better than anything that's out there.
1: Yeah, supporting applications on the Mac is really uh, a joy until they change something on you. <laughs> <laughs> Having physical products, I have to sell them, and usually musicians looking to buy a physical product, they want to touch it. So... In many ways, I'm constrained to the traditional distribution outlets. And it's something I know. It's changed a lot. We sell a lot through Amazon. We just signed a deal to be in every guitar center in the world. So my heart sort of felt pain and joy when that moment (laughs) occurred. But I believe it's a good thing. And it puts these instruments out there so people can try them. And so I have to build a 1,000 at a time and keep inventory. And I would love to be able to issue license codes. Uh, And we make a lot of software. Uh, I've got 15 incredible people working with me. And 2 thirds of them are programmers. And so there's a lot of software that comes along with the hardware product. Uh, and I was able to finance a lot of this with Kickstarter, which absolutely blew my mind. Uh, the support that I got for Cuneo a year ago uh, was tremendous. And I have made, uh, with the two projects, over $200,000 in Kickstarter um, pledges. and that's something that um, couldn't have been done a few years ago years ago so uh, the channels for distribution even of physical products continue to evolve
0: well i don't want to seem like or present the idea that there's software and hardware it's actually kind of a weird fuzzy world right <laughs> now which is something that i deal with uh, frequently like my instrument has a, a an arduino inside that's the microcontroller platform i chose to use and part of the reason i use that cuz it's a uh, kind of a DIY open source thing. And it means the project is hackable by others and more flexible. But there's this really interesting Separation that's been around for a while with digital instruments between the physical interface and the sound that you're actually creating, and um, we're we're all surfing that kind of weird fuzzy space. And something I think about a lot is is the people that play these instruments. What do they What do they want? You know, I as a traditional musician love when I have something physical and tactile that I can play and feels like musical instruments. I grew up and grew up playing and everything in my physical universe that I enjoy playing. And I think part of why Alex's instrument is so successful is his is one-to-one mapping, as he calls it, where it's a less interactive interface and it responds like you think it will. A lot of things built into the Apple iOS are like that, you know, where they pattern themselves after things in the physical universe and they have inertia and you know all these little physics uh, built into them to make them simpler to use. But what do you guys, what do you guys think? Is there is there is there too much responsibility placed on players of something like a Cuneo? Like I get that, and it doesn't make sound, but is that a good thing in your opinion? Is that fine? How are people responding to that? And you know similarly, I'd ask you know what when when the whole thing is there and one package and you turn on and it works and there's no setup involved like is that is that better? Is that too small a box for the player?
5: Uh-huh.
1: Well, i I was forced to distribute for free along with the cuneo templates, right? So it'll work with all of the major applications and we have videos so. It does a lot out of the box, but I do expect the user to put some time into it. You know, if you want to play clarinet or traditional instruments, you, you're supposed to put your 10,000 hours in, and you know, maybe that's 10,000 milliseconds nowadays, but you still have to put some time into understanding what the instrument can do and what it can do for you. People will have unique requests and we hear a lot of them and I'm always delighted and amazed when someone asks for something that uh, we've never considered. So um, for it to be viable, it has to be uh, satisfying in the short term, but be deep enough that someone can continue to explore and invest themselves in it in the long term.
3: I feel like I was one of those customers that would, like I, I got really into the Monome first and I got really into making uh, software applications for the Monome, and then uh, I, I built this thing which I wanted to be like a touchscreen Monome, and that was relevant when I made it because that was before the iPad came out but now it's kind of, you know, pointless. I still really like it just for the note. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but honestly like when you're using touchscreen, you could have like slider knobs on the side and just you don't have to raise your hand, you know, to lift it. But I guess what I was getting at was like I feel like I was one of those customers initially and it's led me to building very specific controllers, like very specific software for the hardware. I, I don't know, maybe it's called middleware. I don't, I don't know but I think there's something really satisfying when when you build something and it's doing it does one thing and it does that thing really well um, yeah
2: I think there's something to be said about um how all these instruments sort of fit into the larger picture and that these are all just interfaces from looking around like no one is actually creating the sound you hear they're more controlling another piece of software that's actually producing the sound and it's more giving you a much more organic interface to that to that software and i think that that's brilliant that as you said like if you can concentrate on one piece of that puzzle and do it really well and make sure it plugs into other pieces of like you know things like ableton live and and different audio plugins that can synthesize audio really well, you get this much more just beautiful and sort of concrete picture out of it.
3: I, I feel like if like if there are enough of these really novel controllers that do one specific thing really well, um, you know, there may be another piano or guitar that just becomes popular naturally from that one thing being available for so long and people buying it and playing with it and enjoying it.
0: Yeah, that's something that fascinates me, because you mentioned the monome, and I know uh, Keith's Cuneo, it's got 16 pads, which we know, these are these grid-based interfaces seem to be something that's become really popular. I mean, I know massively popular instruments in recent years are like the Novation Launchpad Pad, and um, the APC, um, Ableton Controller, and all the 16-pad the things based on this you know, old drum machine, and uh, it seems like it's, it's becoming a, a standard, if you will, to have... These these grids, and why do you think that is? And and do you think there's another paradigm coming after that? Like if if this is a, you know, instrument that's really good at manipulating loops or playing beats, is there something that is going to be really good at playing melodies or organizing harmonies that comes next? You guys have any ideas?
2: I think a lot of it comes from the EDM genre. I don't know if anyone caught that panel, but um, a lot of electronic music nowadays isn't performed live it's it's all about composing this set beforehand and these are brilliant controllers for triggering different portions or, or kind of going along this kind of pre-written composition to give it this like humanistic aspect and or, kind of keep things from being just a canned set that you just press play and, and walk away from
1: I think it's more that it's uh, a step away from the QWERTY keyboard because to be honest, you could probably do most everything you know, with a QWERTY keyboard that you could with a launch pad. And so it's sort of like a keyboard and an accordion slammed together. Um, I think that it's a transitional instrument. And I think that. Its dimensionality is kind of low, and the, the dimensionality of an instrument will determine how many different things you can do with it. And right now, people are doing one type of thing, EDM, but a lot of different variety within that. And um, you know, I, I don't know how long-term that'll be. Uh, so I'm always curious about making controllers that can do more than one thing, that can, um, you know, you think bagpipes. All right, everyone knows what a bagpipe does. and That's about all they can do. So that (laughs) is a limited type of controller instrument. So, um, many things exist and they all have their role. Uh, but I think for a, a computer interface, uh, for musicians, it's, Obviously going to be different for different musicians, and i 'm um, still putting a lot of time and energy into adapting traditional instruments to control computers as well, so uh, obviously no right answer to yeah. what you no, use. That was just an idea I think
3: yeah. uh, the first thought that I, that came to my mind was uh it 's like talking about the grid like the grid is kind of like another dimension if you 're thinking of a um, like a piano or something. It's like, it goes like, you know, there's multiple options away from you. It's like having a whole bunch of piano keyboards in front of you. Um, and most grids aren't, well, there are some pressure sensitivity. I, I just think the next, I, I personally like grids, as you can see very much. <laughs> um, and I, I don't see the grid itself as um, an instrument. You know, I think it's more of a tool because the grid can represent like clips in Ableton Live. The grid could represent just two parameters in one synthesizer or controller. Um, so I think the next step would be to add a third dimension, which would be like, like physical space, you know.
0: Fourth dimensional grids.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? Like uh, what what's that? I think you know there are many like. Um, Uh, like LED cubes you can control with like glass and stuff and touch screens and I know you're working on something that this could totally apply for but yeah I just think like a a three dimensional space that's kind of like a cube of points is a next tool that could possibly be explored especially with like the leap motion and connect and uh, yeah
0: yeah, what are some other new emerging, emerging? I mean, we're all doing stuff with new technology. What's some emerging stuff that's just coming out, like Leap and uh, things with haptic feedback and, and, and zero latency networking? Those are some of my ideas for emerging technologies that could change the way we play music and change the instruments we make. You guys excited about anything yeah, besides really, the 3D I'm re- grid?
3: <laughs> I'm really excited about Leap Motion. Music Hack Day this past weekend, there were some amazing projects by those guys over there, actually. That, uh, did some really cool stuff with this sensor. So it's a—it's kind of like the Connect. This is it. He's got one. He's a very S- lucky, man. It it's in your <laughs> pocket. See how it looks like. But it's kind of like the Connect, but much higher resolution. Maybe you can talk about it more. Yep. Sure. So it's um,
2: it basically has, t- um, two sensors, that can measure sort of where objects are in space. And it's cool because um, their SDK actually models your entire hand. And so some issues that people have with touch devices is mixing up fingers and touches when they get close. But this actually does like a skeletal model of your hands. And it's you know three dimensions of input. But it tells you, you know, where every finger is and the angle that it's at. And it's much more detailed than something like a Kinect is. And it's barely portable. It's funny, because that's even
3: less haptic feedback than a touch screen. <laughs> so, well, I'm
1: you could concerned gloves. about <laughs> that. The it's still awesome. have <laughs> haptics. <laughs> you know, because we've had a theremin, which is a, an expressive instrument in a lot of ways. And, you know, how many uh, professional theremin players are there in the world? <laughs> Pardon?
5: <laughs> hmm <laughs>
1: So, I, that, I think, that makes two.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, the, like the 20s, and uh, it is almost 100. So I don't know. I think the the physical component should not be overlooked. It's important to people. Uh, I am um, like there are a lot of touchscreen technology or like touch
2: kind of and like I guess technologies that ignore tactile feedback, and I think it's it's kind of very important to touch on just for like a brief second that you know humans have sort of evolved to have extremely sensitive fingertips and if you if you imagine just like most people don't even realize it, but like if you try and like tie your shoe, like vision actually takes sort of a back seat. Like you can probably tie your shoe without looking, but you probably couldn't do it if you couldn't feel your fingertips. And same with like even like holding this glass of water without looking at it. I know how much water is in it. I know how like viscous the liquid is. I know the material that the glass is made out of. Like your, your fingertips give you so much information and touch screens and lead motions and connects kind of throw it all out. I think there's
3: something really exciting coming out. Um I don't know how far along this project is, but I heard about it a year or two ago called Tesla Touch. And it's um I think it's a project out of like Disney Labs or something. And it has like haptic feedback on a touch screen. So it simulates like friction. i has the touch anybody screen.
0: have you played one of those? I'm still. I haven't, I'm I've never touched one. Uh, to me that's like backwards to try and like like Take the new thing and make it do what the old thing did, you know, make it electrocute you So it feels like there's a button there.
3: I think it's really exciting like I don't know you You can like like all of these little buttons would actually feel like buttons Well, that you know, that could be pretty cool.
2: All of the prototypes <laughs> I've seen so that would far. Be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Yeah Well, I think there's, there's also you can take it like a small step further that makes a big difference that if you can program how the buttons react so Imagine, you know, you've got your iPad and like piano keys raise out if you can program it So after a certain amount of pressure the key drops and maybe it stops in a certain way You can fake the feeling of like a piano hammer like hitting the strings and that's so much buy a
5: piano.
2: Yeah, piano. Hmm? sorry. Well, so so of course like if you're gonna emulate <laughs> if you're gonna emulate a physical counterpart then sure by a piano but you can make if it's dynamic you can make an interface that changes while you play it and and gives just as much information to the brain as, as a piano would. For,
5: for perhaps some to the uh, modern technologies when it comes
0: to music. Oh, we're gonna do the question and answer interactive. Go for it.
5: I'm a pianist and a terrible one at that. Just bloody awful. But what I will tell you and any musician will tell you is what makes music beautiful is that little bit of human error in it that mirrors this completely chaotic world, off-beat, off-measure, off-key. That's what makes music substantial. So how can something so perfect, so run by technology, have any sort of
0: substance at all? I'm still playing guitar. I don't. Know.
3: <laughs> I think that human <laughs> er, that human error can be made at an abstraction above playing a piano. Like if instead one note is playing like 15 notes also- per second. Oh, well, that could definitely be um, a result of this haptic feedback um, that we talked about on the touch screen. I just think, like, maybe the first step in in making really new innovative products is remaking what we know, you know, and playing around with those ideas and being inspired
2: with the new tools around us. Um, like, these are just stepping stones. And and of course, this isn't perfect and isn't a direct replacement for something like a piano. But if you imagine you get to the point where you can replicate a piano perfectly and like a surface that shapes itself into it, well, then you could make any instrument. You could make... Yeah, but it's so hard to learn
1: any instrument the, but you can, to you have can that variability. Of, you can get I rid think. of those, the, those barriers, like learning... Okay, how to well, that, that's another...
5: For a sense of convenience, yes, but I mean, if
3: you really want to make music, if you really want to be recording music, I say stick to the old school stuff.
5: And, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit more old-fashioned in that sense, but I mean, this is stuff that should be used... Almost in a way of showing people music, but not something that should be substituted for learning music. I
1: would say that brings up a whole other topic, which is you know accessibility. Should you be able to play an instrument without learning it? And um, you know that you look at the game world, and pe- kids drive cars without having driven a car, and some <laughs> of them get pretty good at it. But uh, right, uh, it's a tough. Um, I don't have an answer for that one I I think it's marvelous that someone without uh, on Christmas morning can be making music I got a little Fisher Price xylophone when I was like five years old and I think my parents divorced over it but uh, (laughs) I sure had a good time Uh, so it's it's again it's a tough call
0: yeah the xylophone is something i think about a lot too where it's like you know instruments don't have to have the maximum conceivable expressivity and morphability and be able to sound like everything i don't think there should be like one instrument to rule them all because there's still Mm -hmm. you know your first instrument my first guitar was not you know as difficult to play as the thing with all the knobs and faders all over it you know and there's this thing to like also people who don't Play music professionally like I do. Like they don't want to spend ten thousand hours learning the instrument. They want to play like a Beatles song, sure. you know, after five days with it. You know, so these instruments, I, I think you could totally think of them in that way. And a friend of mine has a category of instrument he calls casual instruments, like casual games, where it's something you pick up and you you just jam on and you have a little fun, and it's not, you know, your your life's greatest achievement to to play it.
2: Just a small thing about the piano example. I mean. A small like if if you think about it you can make physical instruments and remove some of the barriers that aren't maybe necessary um prime example for those who i'm just going to Quick intro to music theory. Um, every every major scale has the same distance between the notes. They're just starting different places. And on piano, if you start at C and play all the white keys, that's C major. But for every other major scale, you have to learn the sharps and flats. Even though they're the notes are the same distance apart, but to play the same composition, you know, a, a semitone higher, you have to. It's like a completely different world. And that, personally, I think is a is a, is bullshit is that you sh- that's why
0: they invented the accordion isomorphic accordion
2: well so, so, well so that's what i'm saying is like you that's a limitation that is is like it you know maybe you make mistakes and that results in a composition that everybody loves but i think if you were able to make a physical instrument that you could just dis- like write with software and prototype you know make a new instrument on a daily basis um you can remove some of those barriers that aren't I mean, necessary, or even maybe add some barriers to make to improve, you know, make an instrument that's so difficult, you can't play it right, so you get interesting combinations. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could take The oboe.
3: I think, for me, like, the one small point about this is, um, it's, it's really just about excitement, you know? If this doesn't excite you now, that's okay. And I think that there's a lot of people out there, like, building these things and playing them, it's really exciting to me. You know, and you know after I built it, like I realized, like oh, other people are kind of excited about it too, um, and I think that's what it really comes down to. And maybe um, in the future, when uh, new instruments are really
0: popular, you'll accept, you'll accept technology. <laughs> well, I think it's a good time we can open up for some questions, and I think we have a mic. Is there a mic floating one, around one, that eight. will help with the recording, and and everybody can hear your question? So. Hands, Okay. Debbie's taking care of it. Hi.
4: Um, so in addition to other things, I'm a performer. And um, I use an iPad with Lemur um, as, um, as my interface because of its flexibility, um, because its adaptability. Um, and that's obviously the point of it. But uh, that being said, I hate using it. Like I hate the tact the lack of tactile ability. I love the flexibility. Don't get me wrong. Um, but tapping a flat plane of glass, it just doesn't I, I play drums, guitar, bass, um, a little piano, and it obviously is not meant to replicate that. That's not its its goal. but um, but when um, when I perform, the thing that I enjoy is the aesthetic and the way that I. Um, have created, um, you know, the thing around me, but I haven't found anything nearly as adaptable within my price range. I should say there are things out there like the Eigenharp if you guys are familiar with that. Um, but what do you what do you speak to that? And I'm I'm sure that you have a lot to say um, about well, your
0: question is about why does. The iPad
4: suck for live performance. Well, uh, no, no. I I personally know why the iPad sucks for live performance. But in terms of adaptability and and being able to fine tune something to, um, to every single person's sorry uh, to every single person's um, show and aesthetic and performance style, the the iPad
0: is pretty amazing. Yeah. What. All I have to add to that is like my version of that, to me, there's the amazing thing about the iPad is it's, it's a totally interactive interface, which is very useful if you're in an environment like a studio, you're composing or you're recording. It's kind of like sheet music, you know? It's just paper and a pencil. It's not a very good live performance instrument, but it will allow you to control an infinite number of other musicians and write an infinitely complex composition. Um, and so that's how I think of interactive interfaces like that. Um, they also have a lot of flash on stage, right? So there's this kind of new wow factor with any new instrument. Like, I've got to connect. I can make sounds by going like this. You know, and for another few years, people are going to think that's awesome. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it used to be a, um, awesome to set your guitar on fire. But now people just think you're ripping off another musician. Um, and so I acknowledge and appreciate that, and that's why I put uh, motion sensors in this, so I could tilt the thing around like you would tilt any of these devices and do some stuff. And it's not a good way to to, to play something accurately, uh, you know. Do it. There, there's nothing very good about the way it reacts as an instrument when I do that, but it looks freaking cool. So <laughs> that's all I can say about that. And that's that's my two cents on interactive interfaces. You guys have anything to add? I have something. Covered it.
3: Um, I guess. I don't. I don't think of the iPad itself as an instrument. The application and the implementation of the hardware is the instrument. Um, just like a string can, um, you can like you can bow a string, or you can pull a string and it hits a bell. You know what I mean? Like there are many different um, purposes that this one device can have. Um, And I feel like touching a piece of glass, like there's some magic there. Um, And it might not have been found yet, but there could be something really musical there that gets people excited in a new way compared to other instruments.
0: Next question? Uh, Yeah, I have a
2: question for all of you. It's kind of a... So it's kind of about the openness of instruments and how like traditional instruments, like a piano or a guitar, like you could find different ways to play it that really wasn't meant to be played. Like a player, or a, you know, a prepared piano where you're like sticking different objects into the inside of the piano to make it sound different, or like playing a slide guitar or something. Like, uh, what about these new instruments that are all closed down? Um, like, and you can't really modify them to create a new way of playing it. Is there, do you guys have any like plans on kind of like catering to DIY instrument makers or just, instrument modders? I wanted to clarify a little bit. Um, I mean, so when when you put something into piano, into a piano to change the sound, like you're not affecting how somebody would play the instrument strictly how it sounds afterwards. And I think every everything we've sort of, demonstrate so far is just a controller. None of these instruments actually produce, I mean, with the exception of the guitar strings, I guess, produce the sound, but they, they control a a piece of software that's actually producing the music. And if you're using something like Ableton Live, you can go in and mess with the sound however you want. You can write your own plugins. Or if, if you need more control than that, you can, you know, write your own sort of, I guess, your own synthesizer that receives the MIDI input. And so I think although maybe the instrument is Closed off because it's a piece of software and you can't go in. Because it's just a small piece, it's not the full contained instrument. There's still a lot of openness to it.
3: Just for the record, my app does produce sound on its own.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I have an idea. If you spill a beverage on the grid, what happens then? If you know. spill a beverage it on, the, wet. on the grid, it would might be, that react to it or not? Like It, it might be iPad? as cool. It might be as cool as when a cat plays it, but I haven't. I haven't tried that. <laughs> well, you can make a video. Of it. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah. there's. I'll just say real quick. There's. Like, for one thing, the DIY thing is part of why I chose to use Arduino as a platform for making this instrument so people can hack it. I know Alexander talks a lot about how you can interface this thing. It it just produces MIDI. It's an arpeggiator. You can interface it with all all these other apps. The modularity of an instrument is one way, um, you know, the same as these controllers work with all these different softwares, and they come with all these different templates. Um, And uh, and also, uh, I just want to say is that since in my career as an instrument you know maker or co-instrument maker is pretty short there's something really magical about when you make something you know Typically, you start with yourself. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I came up with, you know, I want I want this thing. That's why the main reason I made this is because I wanted this guitar. Um, in the process, I was thinking about other guitar players and other controllerists and what these people would want and what would make, you know, kind of a well-rounded feature set. Um, but when I started handing my prototype to other guitar players and seeing what they did with it, they always came up with things I wouldn't have thought of. And I think in the same way people will modify their pianos, you know, the guy that, you know, started, like, running his finger across a row of buttons. Like, I just never thought to play it that way. And I'm people abuse CUNEOs and you know we'll take that pendulum app and like yeah, a lot do of people like of to things. dance
2: with it. Uh,
5: oh,
0: I, I have a question for all of you. Uh, Alexander we were talking about this a little bit uh l- a couple days ago but what, what do you guys think uh, are a couple parameters that differentiate the music toys from the actual usable instruments So we were talking about uh, it has to be able to fit into compositions that's already written so it has to be able to be in any key in any mode and it also has to uh, be able to save scenes so that you can use it in live performance what are some other uh, things that you guys have found differentiates like the music toys from the music performance tools
3: um, I think it's pretty simple. If you, if you give your tool to someone who makes music, if they think it's really awesome, then, then it's an instrument or it's not a toy. I guess I should say that. If they think it's awesome, and they can use it in their music, and they never like, find something that's missing, then it's not a toy. But if they play around with, uh, you know, something like an instrument that doesn't have MIDI, or you know, the sounds are very childish, or something like that, they might think it's a toy. So I don't know.
1: I'm gonna bring up a topic which um, we haven't addressed, and that is being able to play in a group, to play in an ensemble. And I think we're going through a phase now where It's um, the software, more so than the instruments, are constraining people to be solo performers. And I think that reduces it in its dimensionality, not necessarily to the level of a toy. But I think instruments should be um, capable of playing with other instruments. And uh, we haven't really crossed that boundary yet. Um, I think we can. I think we should. I think we will. But the software is not mature. It's not the people who are writing it don't have that in mind. And uh, I think once we are able to use computers to moderate multiple performers, we're going to have something totally different than any of us have ever heard, and um, you know I've done a lot of work in this area. And like the Kronos Quartet played a piece using some software that I wrote, and it was drastically different than anything that could have been done before. So from my point of view, if an instrument can be used, uh, can be played with other instruments, um, I I would say it's not a toy.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm just going to plug a website because I've built multiple multiplayer instruments. I made a website called Jamboxes.com, um, which is a collection of instruments that other people have made like that, and includes three that I've made. So, um, and I would say the reason that it hasn't happened yet, because that was that was part of the question when we talked earlier, was uh, the market isn't there for it yet. <laughs> it's a chicken and an egg problem chicken yeah well i don't know I see, I see like the dj paradigm as like winning you know and making the most money right now which is like one person accredited with you know the entire spectacle of whatever yeah. the music event is yeah. and i think until that you know phase is in decline there's not going to be much interest in group Agreed. musical performance i think there's something.
3: i think oh, there's something really go just, <laughs> go just go for it just go for it. rock paper scissors. Yeah. All right. Um, I think there is something magical <laughs> and and hidden in this uh, multiplayer type of music making. Like almost like it's a, at least my concept of it. And I have played around with it before. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to play with one other person on like an awesome synthesizer, um, where one person plays the keys and the other one presses the LFO specifically, changing the, the rate of the LFO. So like it's almost like serialized musicianship, right? It's awesome. It's really, and you like, you start to jam like you would jam if you were two on parallel instruments. And you start to discover these amazing combinations that you wouldn't be able to do unless you had four hands.
1: Yeah, I have an experimental trio that we play, played publicly, uh, guitar, violin, upright bass. And the instruments were all going into a central computer. And if the violinist played a certain way, it would change the timbre on my guitar. If the bass player moved to a different octave, my instrument would shift in what I could do. and. I have never listened so closely to other musicians. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, someone at the ATM with a gun to your head. You hear every syllable, and um, for me, that is exciting. That's yeah. the future.
0: It's cool. Okay, well, I'm getting, getting the end card. So um, uh, maybe we have time for one more question, because it's the end of the day, and there it is. Awesome.
5: It's really more of a comment and an appeal. The comment is that um, it's kind of it's easy to forget that even frets on a string instrument were considered technology that gave access to people that were less talented than others with perfect pitch. Same with microphones and vocalists. Vocalists used to have to be able to project loud enough to fill a theater, and now singers with quiet voices like my own can get that job. So it's technology that was once considered cheating is now standard tools that people don't consider cheating anymore. So I think it's, you know, when you look at this technology, remember that it's new to you, but one day it's gonna be pretty standard and you should get over that part of it. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and the other thing is uh, it's more of an appeal as, a, as an artist that is not an inventor I would like to see a controller that allows me to to control effects on music and visuals simultaneously. Solid. Cool. Have you so, can of, you please oh, get so to work on that? Thank you. <laughs> there, I'm a, I'm there's a
3: really it. cool iPad app called Thicket. Oh yeah, Josh. I, I have it on. You have it? I have it too. Thicket and Thicket Classic. Really neat. You're controlling audio and visual at the same time like it's one complete experience.
0: In four dimensions. <laughs> all right. I think that's all the time we have for today. Please come ask us some more questions if you have them. Or at least me. I'm sure you guys can to answer questions too. Make some noise for these wonderful people.